Good morning, church family. Thanks for joining us online. Hopefully one more time before we're able to meet together uh, in this room and have worship together. I'm excited for that. I'm sorry it's not today. Just some things with, with our construction process didn't happen quick enough, but we are 99.9% .9 sure we're going to be together in this room next Sunday. And uh, if you'll stick around at the end of our worship online this morning, we'll give you some, uh, some notes, some encouragement, some words uh, about that. So make sure you stay with us all the way to the end. But right now, let's get ready to sing some praises, spend some time in communion, spend some time in the Word together. Looking forward to worshiping with you, church family. I will enter His gates with thanksgiving in my heart, and I will enter His courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for He has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for He has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for He has made me glad. I will enter His gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter His courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for He has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for He has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for He has made me glad. The cross, our way to freedom, the cross, our wrath to bear. But God, so rich in mercy, took our place and saved us there. Lift him up, all praise to Jesus. Lift him up for all to see. Lift him up. The cross of Calvary, where mercy died to set us free. Our King, who reigns victorious, now sits upon his throne. Forever he is worshipped, glory to our God alone. Lift him up. Jesus, lift him up for all to see. Lift him up the cross of Calvary, where mercy died to set us free. All the saints adore you, heaven bows before you, worthy is the great I am. All the saints adore you, heaven bows before you. Worthy is the great I am. All the saints adore you. Heaven bows before you. Worthy is the great I am. All the saints adore you. Heaven bows before you. Worthy is the great I am. Lift him high, all praise to Jesus. Lift him high. For all to see, lift him high, the cross of Calvary, where mercy died to set us free. Lift him high, all praise to Jesus, lift him high, for all to see, lift him high, the cross of Calvary. Where mercy died to set us free. Mercy died to set us free. Mercy died to set us free. All right. As we prepare for this time of communion, I just want to read from one of my favorite worship songs. It goes like this. On the hill of Calvary, the light of all the world with the world on his shoulders, the weight of all our shame on him who knew no sin, a holy surrender. The sky went dark, the angels wept, the father looked away. The final breath, he bowed his head, the lamb of God was slain. By his wounds I am set free, by his blood I've been redeemed. The great divide he crossed for me, oh praise the God of Calvary. 
That's the God we're remembering today, the God who became flesh and came down to this earth and died for our sins. Uh, I want to read from Matthew 26, um, and that says, Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. These are the instructions, and we come here every Sunday to partake of the cup and partake of the bread. Uh, and as you are gathering your own supplies this Sunday, I just pray that we can uh, remember this, remember the God of Calvary and that sacrifice that he gave for us. Uh, and as you are preparing it, let's just pray for the cup and the bread right now. Dear Heavenly Father, we're just so grateful for your presence. We're so grateful for your uh, willingness to come down from your earthly or heavenly throne and um, to, to live with us, to experience life with us, and to, uh, to uh, give your only Son to be a sacrifice for our sins, Father. We pray that as we come in this time of communion that we truly remember your Son on that cross and that, uh, that you bless the bread, that you bless this cup that we are drinking as they are symbols of that eternal sacrifice that that we definitely didn't deserve, um, but we are eternally grateful, Father. I pray that you be with us in this time, uh, and just ask all these things in your Son's name. Amen. Father to the fatherless, defender of the weak, freedom for the prisoner we see. This is God in His holy place. This is God, clothed in love and strength. Sing out, lift your voice and cry out. Awesome is our strong God, mighty is our God. You with us in the wilderness, faithful to provide. Every breath and every step we see. This is God in His holy place. This is God clothed in love and strength. Sing out, lift your voice and cry out. Awesome is our strong God, mighty is our God. Sing out, raise your hands and shout out. Awesome is our strong God, mighty is our Once again, Flagstone, uh, Flagstone family, thank you for being with us on our online worship today. Uh, good morning to our guests, to our friends that are joining us online as well. Glad to have you with us. Hope you've enjoyed singing praises with us this morning, taking communion together with us this morning. 
Looking forward to a little bit of time on the Word uh, for the next few minutes together this morning. So again, thank you for being here and being with us. I want to address something um, right off the bat. You may have noticed, I don't know exactly what the camera angle is looking like, but if you turn, if you, if you see behind me, there's this white X right here on the wall. That is not typical for us. If you uh, have been a part of our church family or if um, uh, you've been watching online for the last few weeks, you know that white X is not usually there. Just so you understand, we're in the process of hopefully moving into our new building and renovating this building that we're in right now. So I know you can't see this on camera, but all the chairs have been stacked up and out of the way. We've moved furniture from different classrooms into this room. It does not look very normal in this place right now. And I kind of wanted to address that on the front end so that you're not sitting there the whole time watching this on your screen going, why is there a white X on the wall? That's why. And I don't even know why there's a white X there. The construction crew would know. I have no idea. But that's why it's there. Okay. So I want you to even, you know, let that kind of trigger your thoughts on what you consider to be normal. What is, what is normal? What does it mean to be normal? How do you define it? How do you know when someone is being, is acting normal or or not. The dictionary says that normal means um, you, you are conforming to a standard, or you are doing something that's typical, or you're doing what's expected of you. That's, that's normal. So if, if, I'm, if I'm being normal, then that means that, that I'm doing things uh, that other people would expect me to do, or I'm, I'm doing things the way that everybody else, when they do those particular things, this is the typical way uh, that, they, that they do those things. Or if there's something about me that's a little bit different, I'm going to change myself. I'm going to change something about my actions or my attitudes so that I can fit into what everybody else around me feels like is normal. Years ago, I had a, a, a teenager in the youth group, and I'm pretty sure this is for uh, um, a class that he was taking. He was um, having this assignment of investigating societal norms, okay? So looking at different things that we do in our society, in our culture that we would consider normal and, and investigating why we feel that way and what it looks like to break some of those norms when we don't do things the way people expect. So he would do some things like uh, he went to a restaurant and as soon as his meal was done being served, uh, he took out a, a toothbrush and started brushing his teeth right there at the table, thinking that people would be like, why are you doing that? Stop doing that. And, you know, no one seemed to really notice. So it wasn't normal, but it didn't really bother people either, I guess. Uh, there were some things that he did as far as like clothing style. He wore, he wore clothes a different way or things that, you know, people normally wouldn't wear, whatever was in style at that time. And that didn't really ruffle any feathers either. And he asked me for some help. Uh, and he had an idea, and he told me the idea, and I was like, man, I'm all in. This sounds like fun. And so we went to uh, one of the, well, the Walmart Supercenter in Rogers, um, and we walked in, uh, and we went like in the produce section, and he stood kind of on one end, and I stood on the other, because uh, we didn't know how this was going to turn out. So um, he stood on one end, I stood on the other, and instead of um, just kind of talking normally, we yelled across to each other. So He's yelling at me. He's like, Marshall, can you believe the price on these tomatoes? And I was like, no way. Look at these cucumbers. And we're just yelling back and forth. Instead of talking in a normal tone of voice, we are yelling. Now, heads start turning. People start looking. And, and some people laughed. And some people pushed their carts away quickly. And, you know, lots of different reactions. So you could tell this was causing people some kind of angst uh, because it wasn't normal. And we did that for, I don't know, two or three minutes until we see someone who looked to be official, like a manager of some kind, walking towards us, and we just walked on out the door, and uh, we had a vehicle close by and hopped in and drove away. So um, if you were in the store back then, if you were the manager of the store back then, my apologies, but I was trying to help a kid out, so it's youth ministry, right? It's helping helping a a teenager uh, walk in in his life with Jesus. I don't know. Anyway, it um, it was funny, and it was weird, and it was awkward, and I loved it. I loved being a part of it because it wasn't normal. You don't go in a store and talk that way, and if you do, people usually try to stop you from acting that way. So think, thinking about different things that we see as, as typical or as uh, acceptable, uh, expected, that's what we think of when we hear the word normal. Now, if we pay attention as we read through Scripture, we find that God often calls his people away from what is considered to be normal. That God often challenges his people to be different than what's considered uh, the norm. 
than what's considered to be typical. And he still does that. I believe he still does that today. And honestly, that's what we're going to start focusing on today and over the next several weeks. I want you to think about this concept of, of being not normal, of recognizing that we have a God who is different than any other God. And he calls his people to be different than any other people. He calls those of us who wear his name to be different than the rest of the world around them. For there to be something about the way they live their lives and the attitudes that they have and the words that come out of their mouths to not be normal compared to everybody else. And so we're going to spend the next few weeks talking about that, taking a closer look at that and what that means uh, for us and, and how, how um, we need to move through, I guess, our daily routine and move through our culture and the communities that we live in in a somewhat, at least somewhat, not normal way. Now, I want you to understand Again, our God has always had his, his own standard. He's always had his own way of doing things. He's always had his own sense of what he wants to be typical for his people. And it may not look like what's going on for the people around them. I mean, one example that is, is very evident to me, if you go back and look at the history of the nation of Israel, Israel's ancestors... Uh, left from the area that I guess we would call Palestine or, or the Middle East uh, during a famine time. And they, and they went down to Egypt to escape this drought and this awful time. They ended up uh, staying down there and, and continuing to produce descendants after descendants until this, there was this nation of Israelites, thousands upon thousands of people that were living in the country of Egypt. But the problem was they were enslaved to the country of Egypt. Uh, they were having to... Uh, uh, um, build, I don't know, build all these buildings and, and different things I guess we still have remnants of nowadays, all these different construction projects, but it was slave labor. And they spent 400 years in slavery to the nation of Egypt. And then God rescues his people. He sends Moses to lead them out. And that's where you read the stories of, of the 10 plagues and, and the Israelites crossing the Red Sea. And even if you haven't heard all, you know, read all the stories or heard all the stories, go look on Netflix or something and find the movie, The Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. And you get a picture of it, maybe not completely uh, accurate, but you get kind of an idea of all the different things, the mighty things that God did to pull his people out of slavery in Egypt. And they go wandering through the wilderness and he brings them back to the land that they were supposed to be living in for this 400 years, but they were in slavery. He brings them back to that land. And he says, you get to go in. And they're like, we'd like to, but we're kind of scared. And so he says, you know what? You're not going to go in. And they spend 40 years wandering around in the wilderness. And then, and then he says, okay, now it's time to go in. And they're like, you're right. It is. And that's where we come to the book of Deuteronomy. Okay. So if you got your Bibles, you got your Bible apps, you got the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That fifth book, Deuteronomy, is this guy Moses, who has been leading the Israelites around in the wilderness for 40 years, is now getting ready to send them into what we call the promised land, to send them back home again. And in the meantime, while they've been gone for the 400 years, other people have come into that area. They've grown into mighty nations and God is going to take his people and plant them right in the middle of all those other nations and drive them out. And so Moses says, when you get there, when God drives these nations out for you, there's, there's a warning for you. As God puts you in the middle of all these other nations with all their customs and with all the ways that they do things, there's something that God wants his people to remember. And you find this in Deuteronomy chapter 18. And in verse 9, Moses says, When you enter the land that God has given you, be very careful not to imitate the detestable customs of the nations living there. Some of these actions, some of these customs of these other nations that had been in this area before uh, Israel got there, some of the things that they considered normal were the, were the very things that God didn't want his people to consider normal. They worshipped other idols. They, they worshipped you know, pieces of wood and, and, and gold and, and inanimate objects. They uh, sometimes uh, uh, sacrificed their children, burned their children up in honor of these gods and goddesses. They had a lot of different sexual practices that God did not approve of. They uh, were constantly fighting and, and, and having wars with each other. They were violent. They stole. They practiced witchcraft. There's all these different things that were happening in the cultures of these nations where Israel was entering into. And God was saying, that may be normal for them. That doesn't need to be normal for you. I want something different for you. You're my people. You wear my name. I'm not like these other gods. And so you're not going to be like these other people. 
We have a God who has consistently wanted his people to look different, to be different, to be set apart from the rest of the people around them. And that continues over hundreds and hundreds of years, even to the point where Jesus uh, comes to this earth. As Jesus uh, you know, enters, enters the world and begins uh, his ministry, he enters a world where these Israelites, and now these, we, we call them Jewish people, they've gone through all these different experiences. You know, Read through the rest of the Bible, you see all the different uh, kings that they had and battles that they fought and, and times that they were close to God and times they're far away from God. And, and when Jesus enters the scene... There's, there's an expectation. There's some things that people are expecting from their religious leaders and from this, from this uh, almost mythical person that they call the Messiah. There have been prophecies that have been made. These prophecies, messengers of God, hundreds of years before Jesus came to this earth that said there's, there's going to be a guy that's going to come and when he comes, he's going to establish God's kingdom and, and it's going to be a powerful kingdom and it's going to change the world and he's going to come in and, and, and uh, create an entire new, entirely new society, an entirely new kingdom in the name of God. Those prophecies were talking about Jesus. Because when Jesus came into this world, he established God's kingdom, not a physical kingdom, but a spiritual one. And he established a new mindset, a new way to live that was completely different than all of the cultures that were living in the world at that time. Now, the Jewish people were expecting this, this Messiah, uh, this king, to be you know, an earthly king, a, a general, a warrior who comes riding in probably on his white horse with his sword flashing and, and driving out all of his enemies and establishing this kingdom and saying, this is the kingdom for the Jews and we're going to be this mighty kingdom once again and he's going to slaughter all of his enemies and they're going to be more powerful than everybody else. And Jesus comes to establish his kingdom and his kingdom doesn't meet those expectations. His kingdom isn't about power and about control. His kingdom is about, it's about selflessness. It's about dying to yourself. It's about, it's about compassion. It's about mercy. That was not what was expected. And the Jewish people, some of them at least, had a hard time accepting Jesus because when he called himself the Messiah, this promised one, he didn't fit the mold. It wasn't normal for a Messiah to be humble. It wasn't normal for a Messiah to call his followers to say, you need to put other people's needs above your own. That wasn't normal. You go a little further into this, and Jesus was also a rabbi, a Jewish rabbi, a teacher. And there were rabbis all over the place in, in, the, in the culture that Jesus was living in. There were these guys who would go around from town to town and teach people about God's law. And they would, they would visit with families. They would eat dinner in people's homes. And they would go to the church buildings and they would preach sermons. And they would constantly try to teach people about how they thought God wanted people to live. And they had all these rules and all these regulations that they themselves had memorized. And they would even argue with each other about which ones of those were more important. And they would try to teach those things to the people. And they'd have this list, long, long list of regulations and rules. And if you didn't keep all of those, then you just weren't a good person and God wasn't very happy with you. And Jesus comes along and his, his approach to being a rabbi, to being one of these teachers, to being a person who is showing other people and teaching other people how to live, his concept was to spend time with the, the unacceptables. His, the, he would have dinner in the homes of people that, that other religious leaders and other rabbis would call sinners. He chose to have this, uh, uh, someone who is hated by, by his society and his culture, this tax collector. He chose to have him as one of his best friends, as one of his disciples. He would talk with women. He would empower women within, within his ministry. He would spend time with the poor. He would touch the lepers, the people that you weren't supposed to touch. He would touch the hands of, of dead people and raise them alive. You weren't even supposed to come near a dead person. There was all these different things that Jesus did throughout his ministry that weren't expected, that weren't normal for a rabbi of his day. He didn't keep the Sabbath 
like normal. He didn't, he didn't pray like normal. He didn't even, they got onto him one time for not even washing his hands like normal. That when he went into a public place and his disciples went with him, uh, and, and it, it would almost be similar to some of the restrictions we have with the pandemic that we're dealing with right now. You, you try not to touch people and, and uh, not even just shake hands and, and, and certainly not get close enough to people. But when you got done, if you're a really religious person, when you got done being in the marketplace around all these people, you would make sure to go through this whole, not just get some soap out and got to clean my hands off. There was a whole ceremony to it. There were, there were uh, possibly even prayers that you would use as you, uh, that you would, you know, uh, uh, quote, as you were washing your hands and doing it a certain way with the water and the towels, there's this whole process to go through as a rabbi to wash your hands. And Jesus' disciples didn't do that. And in Mark chapter 7, this is in the New Testament, in Mark chapter 7, it says the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, these experts in how to do things the right way, the normal way, they asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of, eating with their, uh, instead of eating their food with defiled hands? They're looking at Jesus' disciples who have been in this public arena around all these sinful people, and then they sat down at the dinner table and they didn't wash their hands the way that they were supposed to. We don't even know if they washed their hands at all, much less in the, in the correct way. And if you look at this a little bit more closely, look at, they ask, why don't your disciples uh, obey the tradition of the elders? You know what they're saying? Why aren't your disciples normal? We have this expected, uh, this expected act, this expected action that, that, we, uh, that is typical for rabbis and their disciples to do, and yours aren't doing it. Now, something to understand. Disciples mimicked their rabbi. They did everything and said everything that they saw their rabbi do and heard him say. And so when these guys come to Jesus and say, your disciples aren't washing their hands, it's really not about the disciples. It's kind of a roundabout way for them to say, why aren't you washing your hands the way you're supposed to, the normal way? Because if you did, obviously your disciples would. But since they're not, that means you're not. And it's just another example of how Jesus did things in a not normal way. I mean, even some of his teachings, if you go back from the book of Mark, go back one, one book to Matthew chapter five, and Jesus is, goes through part of his sermon going, you've heard that it was said, you know, this, this, and this, but I'm telling you, this is what God really wants. That was part of Jesus' ministry was to say, here's the typical sermon you've heard. Here's the normal life application that you've heard. And, and I don't buy into that. Here's, here's the way it should really be. Here's what God wants for his people. This has been normal but it shouldn't be. This is what God is calling us to. You see, Jesus was consistently saying things and going places and spending time with people and doing things that were not normal. And he consistently looked at the culture that he was in and, 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 a, and a society that said, this is how things are. And he, re, and he would consistently respond with, yeah, but this is how they should be. And then, he, and then he challenges his followers to do the same thing. He challenges his disciples to look like him and to be like him. And not just the ones that lived in, in his day and the ones that came right after him. Even us, 2,000 years later, Jesus calls us to not be normal. I mean, John says in the book of 1 John chapter 2 and verse 6, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. If I'm going to be a follower of Jesus, if I'm going to wear his name, if I'm going to go and if, if I'm going to make him the ruler of, of my life, the ruler of my heart, I have to not only listen to what he said, I have to do what he actually did. That's what John says here in 1 John chapter 2. You want to claim to live in Jesus? You want to claim that he's living in you? Then you got to do what he did. What did he do? He did not normal things. He looked at the, at the culture around him and, and, and looked at how things need to be different. And he went and did it. So if I'm going to be like Jesus, and if I'm going to live like him, then I'm going to have to consistently show compassion to people who have been robbed of it. I'm going to have to show kindness to people that I don't get along with, maybe even, maybe even can't stand them. I'm going to have to volunteer when it's not very convenient. I'm going to have to get out of my comfort zone. I'm going, to, I'm going to have to have a conversation with someone about something between us or something that's going on in their life, and it might be awkward and uncomfortable. 
I'm going to have to interact with people that, that maybe some of my peers might give me a hard time about. I go, why are you talking with them? Why are you spending time with them? I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to love unconditionally. These are actions that our culture would, looks at even today and goes, nah, that's not normal. And they might look at it and go, man, that's really cool and that's really neat, but that's not normal. That's not what we expect. These are mindsets that our world generally would, would typically say, that's a waste of time. That's not going to work. That's not right. But it's these kinds of actions, it's these kinds of mindsets, these kinds of not normal things that Jesus says, that's exactly what I want for you. That's exactly how I want people to see you. Is not normal. There needs to be something different about you. So you may be sitting there this morning going, okay, that sounds great, but how do I do that? What does that look like? How do I, how do I get better at that? I understand what you're saying, and I'm, I'm feeling challenged. I'm feeling called to be a little bit less normal than usual. How do I do that? Well, for the next several weeks, we're going to talk more specifically about some ways we can do that in, in different aspects of our lives. But for just a few more minutes, I want to share with you just a few principles that are going to kind of guide all those uh, different things we're going to talk about over the next several weeks. That when I look at my life, when I, when I choose to live a not normal life, when I say, God, I'm ready to do something and to be something different than what I am now, there's some things that are, that, that are required of me. And one of those things is that I need a perspective that's not normal. If I'm going to get better at living a, a, a not normal life, I'm going to need a perspective that's not normal. I'm going to need to view the world around me in a way that, that's different than maybe the rest of my culture. And again, going back, just looking at Jesus uh, as an example. I mean, he would see crowds full of people and other, other religious leaders, even some of his own disciples would look at those same people and go, man, this is a hassle. This is exhausting. This is a waste of time. And Jesus looked at those people, not as a hassle. He looked at them as just lost sheep needing somebody to guide them. He looked at sinners. He looked at, at people that everybody else would label as a sinful person who, who was not even worthy of my time, who was worthy of my judgment and, and my criticism, but not my connection. He would look at those people with grace and compassion. He would spend time with them. He would spend time with the people that everybody else would avoid and, and connect with them. Even as he's hanging on the cross, even as he's looking down at the people who have, who have not only not listened to what he said, but have, have worked their way into robbing him of his life in a horrific way. And Jesus is looking down from the cross and instead of, instead of spitting down at them, instead of yelling at them and going, this isn't right, this isn't fair, you're going to get what you deserve one of these days, Jesus looks down at those people and says, Father, forgive them. Jesus didn't see enemies. Jesus saw people in a desperate need of grace. That was his perspective. And that's what he calls us to. That's what he calls me, me to. The way that Jesus saw people, the perspective that he had when he, when he looked at the world around him, it impacted how he treated those people. It impacted how he lived in the culture of his day. And that's the same for us. The way that I see people, the, the perspective that I choose to have when I look at the world around me directly impacts how I treat those people and how I interact with and move through uh, my culture today. And this is what Paul challenges us to in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. He says, from now on, now that I'm in Christ, now that I'm trying to be the kind of person that he calls me to be, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. He could, Paul could have very easily said, we look at no one from a normal perspective, a normal point of view. We don't look, like, look at people the way that we used to, and we don't look at people the way that our world does. We see people through the eyes of Jesus, and then we're moved to action because of it. If I'm going to live differently, if I'm going to live in a way that's not normal compared to the way that I used to live or compared to the world around me, I'm going to have to see things in a not normal way. I also need to have a mindset that's not normal. And that may sound kind of similar to the, to the perspective concept, but there's a, there's a little bit of a difference. I mean, if you think about it, we live in a just a cynical world. We right now live in a culture that is so quick to point out and, and, and dwell on whatever it can find that is 
negative and hurtful and conflict-causing and painful. We live in a world that is, that is quick to criticize. And we live in a, in a culture that, that even lifts up and champions those who can point out the faults of others. A society that struggles to find, but much less focus on good stuff. And if all I do is think about and focus on and dwell on negative things in this world, if all I do is, is think about and dwell on and focus on things that cause me anger and depression and hurt and guilt, then the only actions that are going to be produced in my life are going to be angry and depressing and hurtful to myself and others. So Paul gives us this challenge in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. If you want to, I'll give you a challenge right now. You can, you can uh, stop listening to this sermon for a second, or maybe you can do it at the same time. Scroll through your social media. Scroll through the news feed right now that's coming through uh, whatever social media platform you choose and, and count how many times that something that comes through is true, is noble, is right, is pure, is lovely, is admirable, is praiseworthy compared to how much is not. You see, we don't even, we don't even realize it sometimes that our mindset is affected by what we constantly think about and the messages that constantly come across our screen and in our ears. And Paul challenges us here, man, get rid of the bad stuff. Focus on the good. Get rid of the criticism and the hate and the judgment and the lies and the anger and focus on good stuff. Focus on compassion and kindness and forgiveness. And if you don't see it, then go do it. But, but think about and focus on those things. That needs to be your mindset. Now look at our culture. Is that normal? No. But that's what God's calling us to. God's calling us to a not normal mindset. The way that we think about things. The way that we see them, the way that we think about them, and then finally, the way that we do things. I have, to, I have to have actions that are not normal. 2,000 years ago in the book of, of Galatians, this won't be on your screen, but in, in the book of the letter to the church in, in Galatia, Paul uh, describes the typical kinds of actions that he saw in his world. Just this is what the world around him normally did. And it's in Galatians chapter 5, if you want to look it up. But he mentions envy, fits of rage, uh, groups fighting against each other, impure sexual choices, drunkenness, hate, taking advantage of others. And that's not the complete list. But think about those things that I just read off to you. How much has changed in 2,000 years? When we look at our culture, when we look at our world, man, it is inundated with envy and fits of rage and groups fighting against each other and hate and drunkenness and impure sexual choices and taking advantage of others. You see that constantly all around you. Paul says that's what the world does. That's not what we do because we're not normal. In another letter in the book of Ephesians, in chapter 4 and verse 17, same guy, Paul says, I tell you this in the name of the Lord. You must not live any longer like the people of the world who don't know God. All those things that Paul described in this world, all the, the hate and the envy and the mistreatment and, and all those different actions, Paul says, you've got the potential and you've got the opportunity and maybe even the right to do the exact same thing. Don't do it. Be different. Don't be like those people who don't know what it's like to live in light, who don't know what it's like to be rescued from darkness, who don't know what it's like to feel acceptance and love and compassion. Don't be like those people. Go be different. Do something different. Show people what it's like to, to live in truth, to, to serve people who can't take care of themselves, to, to offer forgiveness when it's not expected, to do the right things even when nobody's watching and even when nobody's going to pat you on the back. Be different. Don't be normal. 
You be different. That's what we're going to focus on for the next several weeks. What would it be like to be, I just thought of this, what would it be like to be a church that's known as a not normal church? What would that be like, Flagstone? If our community, just even here in Northwest Arkansas, if people said those Flagstone people, they're not normal. I mean, that would almost seem negative, right? Maybe, maybe people would think, oh, it's because of, of their worship style or it's because of, of the way that their building looks or because they're not, look at their preacher, they are not normal. I mean, there's all sorts of different reasons people might think that. But what if people looked at our church family and said they're not normal because look at how they love. Look at how they get involved in the community. Look at how they help. Look at how they pray. Look at how they forgive. Look at that completely not normal group of people. I would love for the Flagstone family to be known as the not normal church. Can we do that? It doesn't just happen with us as a group. It happens with us as individuals. When I choose to live a not normal life. I've told this church family before, about a lady that we used to help when I used to take teenagers to um, Duluth, Minnesota and do service projects for a week in the summer. And there was a lady who was completely helpless. She had all sorts of health issues and her house was just, there was, there was trash everywhere. There was filth everywhere. She didn't have any family that was helping her. Uh, she had just kind of some bad habits herself. And we would go every summer and it seemed like it was the same thing. But the, the, the one time that we went to, the, the first time that we ever went to this house, I'm having a conversation with her. And when I tell you that we had to create a path through the trash to get down the halls and into the different rooms of her home, it was that bad. And she said, you know, I thought about calling the church. There was a church that set up this, this um, connection with us. She said, I thought about, I heard about this church last year and I thought about calling them, but then I thought, nah, there's not really anybody out there that would want to come and help me. And that has that conversation happened a long time ago, and it has stuck with me. For her to think there's nobody in this world who would have compassion for somebody like me. Because in her world, that's what was normal. People don't help other people. And people definitely don't help people like me. People pass by me. People talk about me behind my back. People ignore me. Nobody helps me. She was amazed that there are a group of young people who would sacrifice their time, their money, their energy, maybe even a little bit of their safety to help her. It wasn't normal. Folks, we have opportunities around us every day to do things a little different, to be a blessing to somebody else. Let's go be the not normal church. Let's start today. Let's pray together. God, thank you. Thank you for your salvation through your son, Jesus. Thank you for uh, your spirit that's living in us. Thank you, God, for, for being a completely not normal God. We are so thankful for that because you are a God of mercy and grace and compassion and love and hope and light and we don't see that in any other religions. We see that in you. And you invite us to be a part of that. You create, you create through your son Jesus the opportunity for us to experience that. And we just thank you. God, help us, empower us with the, the talents, the gifts, the abilities, and the desire to go be different in this world. To, to, to go today and do something a little bit different for somebody else. Not so people will pat us on the back, not so that we can wear a t-shirt that talks about how awesome we are, but God, because it's just what you've called us to do. You've called us, if we're going to wear your name, to, to be different. So help us to want to be different and help us to see the opportunities to do that. Forgive us of our sins as we know you, you do on a regular basis. Love us, take care of us, open our eyes to see how we can be, how we can make a difference in this world. And we pray all these things through the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.
Your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. Your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. And it's higher than the mountains that I face. And it's stronger than the power of the grave. And it's constant in the trial and the change. This one thing remains. This one thing remains. Your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. Your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. Your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. Your love, and on and on and on and on it goes. Yes, it overwhelms and satisfies my soul, and I never ever have to be afraid. This one thing remains. Your love never fails, it never gives up. It never runs out on me. Your love never fails, it never gives up. It never runs out on me. Your love never fails, it never gives up. It never runs out on me. Your love, your love. In death, in life, I'm confident and covered by the power of your grace. There's nothing that can separate my heart from your great love. Your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. Your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. Your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. This one thing remains this one thing remains good morning Flagstone. uh thank you for being uh with us this morning uh to our members and guests uh i hope you've enjoyed it this morning uh as we're closing out just this new normal uh, video church only and get ready to go back into our building. Uh, I just want to thank Marshall and Brandon and our team at Flagstone because uh, I have really enjoyed uh, what we put together. Uh, it's been a struggle to not come to church, but just being able to have that message the way they've done it, uh, I just want to thank them. Uh, but as we get ready to get back into the church, uh, we want to encourage you uh, get ready. I'm excited. I can assure you, uh, we as the shepherds have been talking about this. It was difficult to say not to come together. Uh, and it's difficult to say it's time to get together uh, because of everything going on. So if you're able to attend, we encourage you to attend. If you're still not there, this live stream will still be going next week. Uh, but let's get excited and let's pray. And let's pray a lot this week about... Uh, getting back together uh, and doing it the way that we need to do it uh, for ourselves to serve God. So thank you for being here this morning, and let's pray. I fire heaven, thank you for uh, the sermons that Marshall's been bringing us. Thank you for helping us to be focused in this new way of worship. Uh, you obviously are in charge because we're now learning uh, new ways to find uh, a dialogue with you. Uh, as some of us have really probably struggled uh, during this time, thank you for being there for us. Uh, some of us have been trying to find ways to feel like we're serving you. Uh, thank you for showing us. Uh, just thank you for being in control of everything and letting us know when the world is worried, you're still there. When people are concerned, you're still there. And the one thing we can all know is as long as we're with you, 
we can overcome anything. So as we get ready to uh, get back together next week, just guide us, direct us, and comfort us. Amen. Hey, Flagstone family. Thanks again for worshiping with us today. Uh, hope you enjoyed the time of singing, the time uh, in the Word, taking communion together. We are excited uh, to be here in our new worship center, excited uh, at the, uh, about the possibility of being here with you guys, or at least a lot of you, um, next Sunday. So uh, the plan is, as I said, the beginning of worship, the plan is to be here next Sunday. We're going to have some um, guidelines to help that be as safe a process as possible. Uh, and so we'll be communicating those things with you by um, email, for our church email, and then uh, also uh, with our social media. So please uh, pay attention to those things this week. We'll have, you're going to have to pick a time slot to come, and uh, we'll communicate that to you, but you're going to need to pick a certain time that you want to try to be here. We may end up having a, a waiting list. At, uh, you know, that's bad, but that'd be really cool. There'd be so many people <laughs> that want to be here that we have a waiting list uh, to worship with us. But We'll, we'll share all that with you. I'm not going to take any more time talking about that today. Just be watching your, your social media and your emails, and we'll let you know, okay? Once again, we're glad that you guys have joined us today. Uh, we, as a leadership, want to let you, Flagstone Church, and the people that are watching this know, uh, that we are aware of what is happening in our nation right now. Uh, we're aware of injustice. We're uh, hearing voices of uh, oppression and voices mm -hmm. that have not been heard yet before. And we realize that this is an emotional time. Uh, it's an emotionally charged topic. Um, we all have friends, family, uh, and brothers and sisters that are struggling right now as we try and figure out what that looks like and what we individually, individually are supposed to do. And as a community of faith as well. Yeah, absolutely. And so we want you to know uh, that we are thinking about those things. We are praying about those things. And we've had conversations about those mm -hmm. things. Uh, we are not going to be a deaf voice in the middle of all of this. Uh, we're speaking out against injustice. And so we want to let you know that we have resources available for that. This past week, Marshall and I had a unscripted series, or we used our unscripted series uh, to lend a voice, hopefully an encouraging voice in the middle of all of this where we talk about biblical justice, where we talk about equality, biblical equality, and talk about what we as Christians can do as, and on an individual level yes. to help bring God's justice uh, to this world and to our community, to bring healing to our community, uh, and to be a voice that speaks out for those that can't speak for themselves. So, Flagstone, thank you so much for listening and worshiping with us today. We are excited to have you guys back with us Absolutely. here not too long. Please, please be in prayer uh, for our church family, for our community, uh, and for our nation as a whole. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you. Love you guys.